In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Ascinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, the show doesn't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we have listeners for all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and digital transitions to leadership issues such as gender balance and also business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform. Now, if you'd like to have a certain subject on this show, please send me an email. Drop me an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and tell me what you want to hear about. But if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for your business or yourself. And now on to today's show. You know, it's difficult to sit down and list all the ways the pandemic has changed our lives. And if you are a leader, your job is hard during the best of times, but toss in a global crisis and even the strongest leaders are left questioning their decisions and looking for answers. But it is in a crisis when true leadership emerges. And the, one of the things we have seen is that true leaders all rec- recognize the same challenges and the same opportunities over the past year. And today we're going to talk about a book that interviews top leaders around the world and hear what they have to say. And we're going to discover some of their insights and their thoughts behind this crisis. Now, Athol Duncan is an INSEAD qualified executive coach. He blends his wisdom of having been there and done it in a range of board roles with his experience from a decade of coaching CEOs, CFOs, and high potential leaders. He is currently the chairman of three organizations, Black Isle Group, UK Coaching, and Scottish Salmon, which represents one billion pound sector of the UK economy. He is also a former chairman and not executive director of the British Horse Racing Authority, which runs the UK's second largest spectator sports. And he was a senior executive at BBC for many years. He led the BBC's coverage of crises such as Lockerbie and Dunblane shootings, the Lockerbie disaster and the Dunblane shootings. Now, Athol's executive education is from INSEAD, Harvard, and Cranefield. And he also specializes in personal branding, building individual impact, and presentation skills. And he relishes speaking truth into power. He is the author of Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World, and this is available on Amazon. It was published on in March of this year, and it's a great book. I urge you to get it, but um, we're going to listen from the horse's mouth here. Ethel, welcome to the show. Kimberly, delighted to be with you and really looking forward uh, to the conversation. I'm not sure I recognize that person that you were describing uh, there, but uh, perhaps it was me. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you have quite a quite a a lot of experience in in your, you know, over the years. Um, And then you decided to write this book. So um, great book interviewing all these CEOs. What, what, What prompted you to do this? 
Well, well, Kimberly, I mean, t- let me take you back to March 2020 when the pandemic was starting to hit Europe and starting to hit the UK and the Western world. And um, the, all the businesses that I was involved in were either in some degree of jeopardy and were certainly entering um, some crisis. And um, I had one day where I had, I think, five emergency board meetings and the salmon industry was grinding to a halt because we couldn't get any salmon across the borders to mm. Asia, Europe, US. A cinema business that I'm involved in, the curtain had fallen for the last time and hasn't risen again since. Um, and then in, in the Black Isle group, you know, many of our clients had postponed or cancelled. So it was a pretty stressful situation for me. And I decided really I had to capture what I think is going to be one of the defining moments, if not the defining moment of the century. Um, so I, I kind of cast back to my BBC world and I wanted to return to being a storyteller and mm-hmm. to tell this incredible story of what we've all been through um, as humanity, to tell it through the eyes and words of global business leaders. And the two questions we were asking them was, how did they lead through the pandemic? And how do they think the world will change because of what we've all been through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, now that you bring it up, you know, we're a year, a little over a year later, and um, I'm in Europe, and I remember you know, the supply chain broke down, and, and if you were in the salmon industry, you couldn't get food. I mean, we couldn't get toilet paper. We couldn't get anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, we've never seen anything like it. I think that it, was what was what was so scary, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It was really scary. And I think, you know, that's a great idea to interview. So as you started interviewing, did you find some general themes that came across that from these CEOs were were talking about? We we did. I mean, a a couple of things. You know, I got remarkable access because these people were hunkered down in their kitchens and in their dining rooms around the world. And they wanted to tell somebody about what it was that they were going through. And they were kind of sense-making. You know, they wanted to make sense of it all. So we gathered all the insights and we came up with, with seven themes. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the first theme was this new age of purpose. And, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that. And how there was a feeling that purpose was really on steroids at this moment. And the importance of purpose, the vital nature of purpose for businesses coming out of the crisis. The second theme was the new world of work. We've talked about this a lot, moving millions of people from offices to home. The third theme is tackling inequality because the the pandemic has widened inequality in so many ways. The fourth theme was global cooperation because at a moment where we maybe hoped that our politicians would look outwards and would cooperate um, across international boundaries, many of them turned inwards. Mm-hmm. And they, they sowed division and they acted for short-term political gain. Uh, and that was a huge observation of uh, the global business leaders. And in fact, it was some of the big corporations um, who put their hands out across borders to find a vaccine um, and to solve the track and trace problems. Uh, theme number five was resilience, personal, financial, operational Theme number six was resetting the supply chain. You know, just what you talked about. Mm-hmm. 40 years of decisions that we'd made on cost grounds and on productivity grounds. But when the pandemic hits, our businesses grind to a halt. And then the seventh theme, which is right in our sweet pot spot, I think, um, in this podcast, is maximizing potential and how the style of leadership, we think, um, has been irreversibly changed because of what we've all been through. Mm It's the end of the Superman leader in many ways, the end of command and control, the end of presenteeism. And you saw the more successful leaders were the leaders who empowered, uh, who showed care and compassion and who listened. Um, And also on maximizing potential, all of a sudden, great clarity for people about their physical welfare as executives and, and as, as workers and, and about their mental welfare. And how do we lead? How do we maximize potential in this hybrid world that 
you know, we're just about to invent. And Kimberly, mm. my, one of my big messages to, to your listeners is that, that it's been tough. We've never known it tougher. But the really tough and important bit is the next six months, the mm. next 12 months, because that's when we can really change the world of work. And hopefully we can reset society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the last statement you made on maximizing potential, and if you kind of look at these themes, it circles also back to that that age of purpose, okay, because it's human. And, and in your book, you talk about being human again, and you, you talk about the example of um, Marion Salzman in, in Providence, Rhode Island, with Philip Morris. Um, can you just, you know, talk about, uh, give us a little hint into what it felt with to talk with people like her about being human again. So, you know, I, I captured Marion um, in my first conversations with her at a moment quite early on in the, the crisis, and she was hunkered down um, in Rhode Island, and she was actually waiting to see if she had COVID. She'd had the test, and she was waiting for the results of the test. So this was, pre this was pretty real for her. Um, and she's a pretty tough and fascinating lady. She was brought up in... Uh, the mad world of mad men in Manhattan advertising. And um, she decided to reach out to, she's got about 700 colleagues in her role, and she decided to reach out and say, just call me, yeah, speak to you about anything that you're going through. And she spoke to a colleague in Italy who hadn't been able to attend the funeral of family members who died. She spoke to, I think, another colleague who had had to cancel their wedding because of the virus. Um, and she herself had, had um, health issues that, that she shared um, with uh, the, the, her colleagues. And she described this as a moment where we were all of a sudden humanizing leadership. And mm -hmm. she felt very strongly that we need to put humanity back into leadership. And so much of our leadership, not all of it, because, because we all know very caring uh, and very compassionate leaders, but generally the corporate world, uh, and in particular sectors, uh, you know, from financial services to sales, um, it has not been a caring and humanizing experience. And that's one thing the virus has taught us that we need to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was an amazing story. And and uh, in this in this age of purpose, you also you talked with Lena Nari from Unilever, and Unilever has always been kind of on the edge of fighting pandemics. And and w what was the sense you got from her on this? Well, Lena is hugely um, interesting character as well. So she's chief HR officer there. So she was overseeing, I think, um, a hundred and uh, hundred thousand people in one hundred and fifty five countries. Yeah. And every country uh, was doing this in a slightly different way. Um, and Lena had big observations around about how purpose had galvanized Unilever. Purpose had brought the people together. Because Unilever was really invented around Lifebuoy soap. And Lifebuoy soap, mm. probably more than 100 years ago, was invented to, um, to counteract typhoid and cholera and uh, you know, pandemics in inner city slums. And she thought this had brought the whole thing full circle because so many of Unilever's products are about hygiene and they're about cleanliness. Um, and it brought, it brought the company together. Yeah. And people really felt that they, they had a purpose to, which focused on helping people to get through this crisis rather than just doing a normal job of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the stories and, and they really, I think you put in there humanized leadership is what you just said. And I, I, I think um, yeah. I think we all got humanized during this because we're all so shocked. But um, we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the other themes that, that you uncovered when you were talking to these uh high-level executives and CEOs from around the world. And for our audience, we are talking to Athol Duncan, 
and he is INSEAD qualified coach. He blends his wisdom from having been there and done it in a range of board roles and his experience of decade of coaching CEOs, CEFOs, and high potential leaders. And he is also the author of Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World of Business. Great book, came out in March of this year. It's available on Amazon, um, a great read. So I'd suggest to our listeners that you go out and get it. Now, if you'd like to m- learn more about Ethel Duncan, you can go to his website, which is ethelduncan.com. And you can also go to blackislegroup.com. And Ethel is on LinkedIn under Ethel Duncan and on Twitter at Ethel Duncan. And Black Isle Group is under uh, Black Isle Group on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Black Isle Group. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda Virtual brings you virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers in Europe focused on digital transitions. And if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org for more information. They also bring you each month online learning series. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Athal Duncan, and he is the author of Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World of Business, um, a great book that interviews CEOs, executives from around the world and gets their insights as to you know, what happened during the, the beginning of the pandemic and where they are today. Now, um, Athal, you recognize some themes, and I think one of the second themes that most of the CEOs talked about was the new world work. I mean, we're all experiencing that, okay? Um, and you, you know, what what were they saying in general? What were they saying about that? And you had a, a really great example from Mark Thompson, the president and CEO of the New York Times. But in general, what was what were you hearing about it? Well, in in general, I mean, the first thing was that people thought it was absolutely remarkable that we'd been able to move to shift so many, many millions of people from office to home in such a short space of time. I mean, if we had this conversation before COVID, <laughs> and we, Kimberly, and we and we said that we were going to do, it, we were going to move the world's all the world's office workers, and they were going to work at home, and we were going to do it in days or you know a couple of weeks at the most. People would think we're crazy that um, the human race could achieve that. But that's what happened. Well, at all, just a comment to that. I mean, you remember, and you've served on many boards, the discussions with HR on how many people could actually work at home and how many have to be in the building. (laughs) Absolutely. We just couldn't imagine it, you know. And uh, um, all that stuff about presenteeism and, uh, you know, command and control that we talked about before is all linked to that. But Mark Thompson... 
uh, we kind of loved Mark Thompson. I used to work with him at the, at the BBC and um, he was chief executive of New York Times, of the New York Times during uh, COVID. And Mark likes his Brompton fold-up bicycle. And he had to go into the Times offices one day to do his earnings call from a, he has to do it from a secure phone. And there are normally about 5,000 people in that office, which is not far from Times Square. And there were only a handful of security guards around that day. And he decided to cycle round the office uh, on this Brompton bicycle. And he said, what a crazy sight it was. <laughs> he thought it looked like an empty milking parlour where the employees of the New York Times would come in every day and they would fix themselves up to these desks and do their work and then face their um, kind of remorseless commutes home, like cows going into the milking <laughs> parlour and attaching themselves. And he thought, this is crazy. What world? What are we doing to these people? They're now at home being far more creative and being able to have a far better life. So he thought, maybe I should sell the skyscraper. But he concluded, I'm not going to sell the skyscraper, but we've got to entirely reinvent the relationship between the office uh, and the employees, mm -hmm. between work and our workers. And that's, a, that's our challenge now yeah. in yeah. the new world of work. Yeah, and it's not just it's um it's not just about the the new world of work and and our relation with the office. Um, it's also about business models, isn't it, Athal? Okay, I mean it was reshaping all of work. It's uh, totally about business models, and we saw. I mean that word pivot, which I'm not very keen on, but it was one of the words of the crisis. We saw the pivot that um, so many sectors and organisations did to the virtual world. I mean, look what happened to. Um, education, the education mm -hmm. of our children, uh, the college and university education. It would have taken 30 years for academics to get to that point, and, and it probably happened in 30 days. Mm -hmm. But my concern, my worry about all this, this, Kimberly, is that, you know, there's a danger that we've replaced one hamster wheel with another hamster wheel, mm -hmm. and we've replaced that hell of the commute the drudgery of presenteeism in soulless city centre offices with a life where we're, we're at home frying our brains every day in the continuous world of Zoom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, we've yeah. created a world where the boundaries are now totally unclear between work life and family life. And we've created a world of far more inequality where women in many households are having to do two jobs every day. Mm -hmm. They're having and, to work and they're having to look after the family and they're having to look after the house. And, you know, the gender inequality of that um, is just accelerated as well. So uh, my challenge, you know, and I made it in the first bit of this, this show was the next six to 12 months, the brightest people on the corporate planet have got to reinvent work and how mm -hmm. we go forward. And we've not done it yet. Yeah. And, and that and what uh, it's good you brought up that inequality because I mean that that is that is happening. That was a theme that also came out when you were talking. And in your book, you talk about the you know the third theme, and we intrude of inequality, and the, and there's the gender inequality, but there's also the the inequality that comes out from from access. Okay, access to healthcare, access to vaccines, and and um, what you know what were the what was the general themes around that when you were talking to the CEOs? Well, look, the the, the CEO's view is is my view is hopefully most sensible people's view that um, the virus has widened inequality in so many ways. You know, you mentioned the vaccine, you mentioned access to digital home education. Um, you know, people who are working in uh, dysfunctional um, households or people who are living in dysfunctional households, what a disadvantage that puts them at. Mm -hmm. People are in, in households where there's not a good environment for home working. And, you know, I saw a stat just yesterday that even in the UK, I think there are nearly two million households that, that are not connected to mm -hmm. the internet, not connected to, to broadband. And then we look at the, at the debt, look at the economic impact of this, um, look at where the jabs are going into people's arms, 
you know, the big the big programs are in the richer countries. The people in the poorer countries are still waiting for their jobs. And and the leaders were saying, you know, the corporate world, and this aligns with purpose, the corporate world needs to do something about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and how do you think how do you think we can we can close that gap? I mean, do you think we're taking steps to do that now? Because you said the next six months, the next year is going to be the most important. Um, well, on diversity and inclusion, you know, and we saw the Black Lives Matters mm-hmm. movement and so many other aspects of that coming to the fore in the middle of the crisis. That's one thing that I, I say to people, you know, everyone can do something about that. Every single person in the workplace can do to take practical measures um, around about that. I'm also very interested in, in some of the schemes in the big corporates around don't make people redundant, reskill yeah. them, reskill people. You know, we're staring into this black hole of uh, unemployment. Um, the economic impact of this is quite varied. Obviously, the sectors such as travel, aviation, hospitality are hit hardest. But look at the explosion of stuff in uh, in digital. So rather than giving up as, on our people, rather than regarding our people like potatoes that can be chucked around and discarded, reskill our people. Mm-hmm. You know the, the long term cost of making people unemployed is far higher than the advantage that you can get out of taking people from one part of your corporation and reskilling them in another part of the country. Yeah. And, and now that geography doesn't matter as much as that, it should be much more possible, mm-hmm. much more possible yeah. in the virtual world. Yeah. And 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 um, one of the things you talk about in the book, and one thing is kind of logical, you know, as we go out about this and we make the changes, we need data, and we need important data to make decisions and 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 understand where the ethnic groups that are maybe underserved are and where it is. And um, in your book, you talk to Viviana Arts, um, the president of Women in Banking and Finance, and um, and she talks about you know how important this data is um, that we pay attention to the data, and we've seen that in tracing and tracking, of course. You know when we see the seven-day instance, Europe measures that quite a bit. Um, but how do we balance that? Because you're in the UK and you know that the EU and their privacy, how do you balance getting information and the privacy? Well, of course, there's a great variation around the world on this issue, isn't there? Yes. But the thing that struck home for me was that the debate really had to be reframed because it's fine in, in normal times to um, really cherish your own privacy and your own data. But in a pandemic, when data, your data, other people's data can be the answer to life or death in trying to find patterns in the spread of this virus, um, I think you come into a world where there is a theme of data for good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at what point does the good of the wider society um, outweigh um, your right to hold on to the privacy of your data? Yeah. And, and I think that is a, a debate for um, far smarter people than me. But that is now the debate that we need to have. The goalposts have changed. Yeah. Um, we need to define data for good. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I hear you. And that kind of goes in, and, and you're talking about this, goes into the, the other theme that you recognize was kind of this global cooperation, okay? Um, you, you recognize that as, a, as a, a theme. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, again, I mentioned it a bit earlier on. Um, is there anywhere you can point to in the world where a reasonable um, balanced person would say that politicians have done a great job. <laughs> the the only per- place that I hear people saying this is New Zealand, and yeah. I I would challenge politely back and say, you know, New Zealand was not at the centre of the crisis because of its geographical location, and you know doesn't have the issues that Europe and Asia have with with people travelling um, through them so regularly, but. Politicians let us down, and they did not cooperate across borders. Their instinctive reaction was to turn inwards. 
mm-hmm. and that resulted in sowing division, whether you were in China or Hong Kong or Asia or Europe or the UK or the US. We've been we've seen our politicians sowing division, and yeah. you know Trump uh, uh, may have um, been at the f- the public forefront of this, but there are many many other political leaders, and you know we we I read about what's happening in India, and what some people think about the behaviour of the the prime minister of India, um, and you know it's uh, it's one train of thought, but. Mm-hmm. It, it is almost, um, well, it's not a, a very edifying story. Yeah. Uh, but what you have seen is you've seen um, some of the, the corporations cooperating, cooperating on the vaccine, um, you know, really putting their purpose at, at, at the heart of that and cooperating on the, the tech companies, cooperating on track and trace. And I think that shows me that as we come out of the crisis, um, the public expects our big um, corporations to cooperate for the public good, mm-hmm. you know? yeah, and we want to see want to see more of this in the future. Mm-hmm. And it is because if you get the pulse on the on the street, you know, people have been upset about the politicians. It doesn't matter which country, okay? You know, um, in, in Europe. You know, they were upset that they're behind on vaccines. In the U.S., we had the whole transition of power, which was quite upsetting. You know, I mean, it's just and that on top, you know, this it just it it's with the crisis. You know, there's so much gasoline going in the fire. And I think what you're saying is we got to look forward now and we have to you know, look at global cooperation instead of looking inward, look outward now. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been on calls with people, well, re- very recently I've been on calls with uh, people from India and their colleagues, wherever they are in the world, want to help them. Yeah. And they, they want to reach out in whatever way to help them and they expect their corporation to do that as well. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's humanity and global yeah. cooperation yeah. for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah. With, that, with that note, um, Athal, we're going to take a small break. When we come back, I, you know, when we talk about global cooperation, I want to just touch on the supply chain because that's something that kind of hit us all. And then, um, you know, the other couple, last couple, you know, how do we become resilient in this whole thing, you know? Um, and we'll chat about that when we get back. For our listeners, we are talking to Athal Duncan, and he is INSEAD qualified executive coach, and he blends his wisdom of having been there and done it in a range of board roles within his experience and a decade of coaching CEOs, CFOs, and high potential leaders. And he's the author of the book, Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World of Business. And it is available on Amazon. And we're talking about some of the interviews he had in that book. And I recommend to get the book. It's a fantastic read. And if you'd like to get in touch with Athal, you can on www.athalduncan.com and also on blackislegroup.com. And Black Isle is also on LinkedIn and Twitter. And Athal, you're also on LinkedIn and at it's at Athal Duncan on Twitter. And this Broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda Virtual, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing local search associations that helps SMBs in Europe go digital. If you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org for more information. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about kind of what we can learn leadership lessons um, from the the crisis that we've been through and still are in over the last uh, 18 months almost going on or one year. And we're talking with Athal Duncan, and he is the author of Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World. This book is full of, of, of stories, but full of lessons. So, um, Athal, just to to, uh, uh, to come back to the last kind of concrete theme that come up was on, you know, the supply chain. And, and we've, you know, we saw it completely break down and we saw digital transitions. So, uh, you know, what what do you think we have to do going forward, you know, so that we can make sure that this supply chain is is modernized to, to the changes in the work environment. Well, I think the you know the the implications of uh, the supply the COVID on the supply chain are absolutely massive. Um, you know, if you look at manufacturing and you know manufacturing from Europe and the US has been pushed towards Asia. I would say over over forty years. Um, if you look at the iPhone, and I I think it's the the parts from the iPhone probably come from 60 different uh, international locations. Um, and the question is, is that sustainable now when um, your business is put at risk the moment borders close? I think a couple of the themes in here, you could well see a lot of manufacturing moving back from Asia to Europe and to the US, um, but it probably won't be done by people. It'll be done by robots. Mm-hmm. And maybe the people that are controlling those robots will still be uh, in Asia. I think that's the long-term thing. But in supply chain, it touches everything we do. If you look at the travel industry, and certainly in the UK, we see this huge increase in what's what's being dubbed staycation. So <laughs> people go on holiday in other parts of the UK. The weather's not as good as uh, <laughs> going anywhere internationally. But we're having to adjust it. And that is um, producing a, a boom, a boom in self-catering um, holiday uh, accommodation uh, in Scotland, in the highlands of, of Scotland, where it's never more beautiful, but it's also often wet and cold. Um, so, you know, every bit is, is, is touched upon in the supply chain and, and every business um, who uh, have a supply chain uh, which is dependent on their success, need to consider how they're going to reshape it, how mm-hmm. they're going to de-risk from what, what has happened. Um, and I think you'll see a lot of movement in um, where supplies and goods are purchased and uh, manufactured and, and how they're transported around. And the, the other theme that has a potential to come out of this is a definite move to buying more local. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, of course, the, the, the whole climate theme is uh, wrapped up in that. You know, should, should we in the UK be still getting our raspberries from, or our blueberries from Morocco? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or should we be yeah. getting them from around the corner? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think this, the, you know, we've seen so much support for local business and people buying local and, and making it conscious to, you know, um, 
not always go on Amazon and we see, you know, the digitalization of local businesses has also, I mean, this whole supply chain thing just moved us fast forward. Okay. Um, And, um, you know, I, I think that there's some great opportunities in that, which, which brings us to our, the last two themes, which I I think kind of go together is this resilience and maximum potential because that's about moving forward, isn't it? So can, can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. Now, you know, we've been uh, we've been doing a lot of workshops now with the insights from this book because um, although it's a book, it's really become a bit of um, a crusade, a crusade, and I've become a bit of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. And my message to leaders everywhere is: we can't let this moment pass. Mm-hmm. You know, the world of work is at a crossroads, and the leadership role right now is to reset the way we do business and to reset society. So in these workshops that we've been doing, we've been saying to people, how do you build more resilience in the future? Um, And what do you want to hold on to from the pandemic? What really worked for you at the peak of the pandemic? What do you want to hold on to and what do you want to give up? And the kind of things people want to hold on to is they want to hold on to the pace and the agility that they showed at the peak of the crisis, but they want to do it in a sustainable way. They want to hold on to the way that they were able to focus on the most important things and delegate the rest. They want to hold on to the care and compassion that uh, we saw with colleagues and with leaders. And they want to hold on to cooperation because the silos fell down. Mm -hmm. When these businesses were fighting to pivot or fighting to survive, all of a sudden there weren't all those terrible divisions that we all know so well uh, in businesses and in corporates. Uh, It brought people together. People cooperated like they hadn't been before. So we want to recreate that. And we want to recreate the trust that was established at the peak of the crisis when these people were brought together. And we want to leave behind a lot of the stuff about presenteeism, about command and control, Uh, We want to leave these things uh, behind. So resilience is about personal, it's about operational, which we've been talking about, and it's about financial. Uh, And, you know, going forward, I don't think we'll, I think we'll be seeing a lot more cash on businesses' balance sheets because cash was king again. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you talk about, you know, moving forward, you talk about the breakdown, the silos. And, and we had that exam, example from Philip Morris um, um, from Salzman. And that was her reaching out to all those people. And, and, and that kind of goes to your first theme of the new age, humanizing leadership. Um, what do you think the leader of the future is going to look like? I mean, it's you, you talk about this, you know, command and performance. Um, what kind of qualities does this new leader have to have? Well, the the, the first quality that that um, leaders who've been successful in the crisis have, and and you will want to see repeated in the future, is this agility and pace, mm-hmm. because things will never get any slower. You know, we've we've seen probably 10 years of change. We didn't see any new trends, incidentally, coming out of this. We just saw uh, a rapid acceleration of trends that were that were already there. But agility and pace is going to be absolutely key. Um, I think the empathy, the care, and the compassion is absolutely key to leadership in the future. I think the ability to um, inspire and connect people to the purpose of a business. Now, again, people will say these things have all existed in the past, and yes, they have all existed in the past, um, but they're increasingly uh, important in the future. And you, you, we talk, you know, if you look at Wall Street street life and, and city life, we still have a culture there of presenteeism of Mm -hmm. the machismo of being at your desk um, at six o'clock in the morning and still being there at midnight and that being one of the things that defines you as someone who will progress in your career. Uh, That bit is I think becoming out of date and in this hybrid world if you're going to lead in this hybrid world 
you have to lead around about inspiring people to deliver by results, not judging people on the um, the hours of effort that they put in. Mm-hmm. And and it, isn't it kind of almost like also defining success in the workplace will be different. And um, as corporations go forward um, to attract employees, they're going to have to be different also, aren't they? Well, I think that's one of the things that drives purpose, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, certainly, you know, we've got two younger um, daughters in their 20s and they won't work for businesses that don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. And they know the businesses that... Um, they don't think are caring for the environment. They know the sectors that they wouldn't frankly touch with a barge pole. So once your employees start rejecting you because of your lack of purpose, um, then your consumers start rejecting you because of your lack of purpose and your investors reject you for your lack of purpose. You don't have many places to go apart from downwards. Mm-hmm. And and this and you see the ESG, the focus on ESG, how that has all cranked up in the last um, six months, I would say. Okay, it was a trend that was there. Um, this is something that leaders really need to seriously get their head around because this is a, a pivot, uh, which is as great as many of the pivots you've seen at the peak of the crisis. Yeah. And I mean, great lessons to learn. And it's, it's great that you're turning these into to workshops for, for, for leaders and companies. And as we get towards the end, um, because I, the book really is insightful. Is there any one interview in the book that stood out to you or one story that stood out to you? Um, I mean, they were all great, but something that kind of moved you in one direction or another? Well, yeah, I think... Um I worked with David Behan, who Mm -hmm. was the chair of the UK's largest care home company, which is called HC1. And, you know, um, Kimberly, I was dealing with financial issues in the businesses that I'm involved in. And sure, we were trying to keep our people safe and we're trying to care for our people. But in the first 100 days of lockdown, when I was talking to David Behan, 1,000 people died in his care homes, including several colleagues, several several co-workers. Now, that gentleman and the people that work uh, with him, they were tackling a whole different crisis than the one that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And the, the horror and the day-to-day heroism of the people in that business and in all our other care workers and health workers, um, it puts it into perspective that, to be honest with you, many of the things that we were tackling as business leaders pale into into insignificance mm-hmm. compared to what these people were doing. And uh, David had, had two big comments for me. One was, leaders are judged by what we do in the bad times, not what we do in the good times. Mm-hmm. And his second big observation for me was that he saw leadership at every level in his business. And much of the greatest leadership came, came from uh, the colleagues in the kitchens or the colleagues in reception who put their lives and their families' lives at risk every day to care for these elderly residents in their care homes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that gives you perspective, Kimberly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does, and I have to say that that's one of the stories that really tore my heart out when I was reading the book. It was, it was, it really hit me too. So, Athal, we're getting towards the end of the show. Um, if you kind of, you know, put everything together, and uh, you said in the beginning, what's important is the next six months, the next twelve months. Um, what kind of uh, last? you know, one or two tips you would have to our listeners on on how we move forward? Well, quite often in these workshops that we've been doing, the big question is how much is going to change? Mm-hmm. And that's down to leaders. It's down to um, all the leaders that are listening on this podcast and all the leaders who are out there. Uh, it's up to you guys how much is going to change because you're going to have to make that change happen. Uh, General Stan McChrystal 
um, who a four-star U.S. general that uh, was also one of our leaders in lockdown. Um, he said that it was worrying for him how many people just wanted to uh, go back to the way that things were before. Mm-hmm. And he said that that's a false promise. It's a false promise because your competitors are going to a different place. And that's why we need to drive change. Uh, and it's, I think it's a vitally crucial time now um, to reset, to reset around these seven themes, to reset the way that we lead. Um, we can't let this moment pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, business and society is at a crossroads. There are now, I think, 3.3 million people who have died of this virus. Mm-hmm. We owe it to them to lead the world of business and lead the way that we live and work yeah. um, to a better place. And uh, Alison Martin, who was um, uh, the chief exec of Zurich Insurance Group in Europe, she said, why don't we create a world that's fit for our children to live and work in rather than the one we were destroying before COVID? And I think right. I would agree with her. Yeah. Great final last words. And thank you so much for taking the time. Um, our listeners, we have been talking to Athal Duncan, and he's a INSEAD qualified executive coach, um, decades of coaching, and he serves on a wide range of boards, and he is the author of Leaders in Lockdown, Inside Stories of COVID-19 and the New World of Business, a great book um, which you have now turned into workshops to help us move forward. And if you'd like to uh, talk to Athol, and then you can go to his website, that is ethelduncan.com and on blackislegroup.com. And I'm sure they can reach out to you on both those websites. And also you are on LinkedIn and on Twitter and Black Isle Group is also. And the name is spelled A-T-H-O-L-L and Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N. So please reach out to him. And thank you again for taking the time to be with us today and share these great insights. This show has also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. And Cinda is supporting SMBs in Europe and SMEs in Europe and helping local businesses go digital. Now, Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white paper. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And please do not forget to tune into Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel every Tuesday at 3 p.m. And if you happen to miss a broadcast, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform so you can listen to us in your own time. And with that, thank you so much for listening today. And we'll tune in again next week. Bye-bye, Ethel. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.